Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz, 340 in the house. we got the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, myself. We won't have Nate Ward or Mackenzie Brooks in the house today, but we will have a great show today. We also have the beautiful and talented, award-winning uh, NRPR founder and CEO, Nicole Rodriguez, in the No Joke Football Huddle in about 15 minutes. We're going to talk NFL Week 3, college football as well, and then we're going to dive into the women's game action overseas in the Czech Republic, Sweden. we got uh, Gridiron Queensland also uh, launching in about a week here. And we're going to talk actually German Division Two, which kicked off this past weekend as well. So a lot of things to talk about. But, you know, first and foremost, uh, we got to just say shout-out to Jennifer King and Callie Branson and Sarah Thomas. Uh, they were literally the focal point for the weekend as the Washington football team took on the Cleveland Browns. So, Holly, a pretty historic moment for us in women's tackle football. I don't know about, you know, overall in the sports scene, but for us it was a huge accomplishment because we know where they came from and how how much it took for them to get here. Yeah, I think it's a a big moment um, because, you know, obviously um, the more uh, female coaches and and refs and um, females that we have involved in the sport, the better. And the fact that you had all three of them on the field at once speaks to the the numbers of females involved increasing. And so hopefully this is just the first of um, many times that there's multiple uh, women involved, and I think it's really exciting. I think it was really cool to see the, you know, where we're at. Um, You know, I've been following the sport since 2009, right, and Sam – you know, started the the world games. And then when we start looking at the timeline, right, Holly, uh, the progression, um, I think uh, uh, yesterday, I think the day before, if I'm correct, the WFA pretty much put out a decade type of promo uh, uh, video on their YouTube. And I really, I really think it tells the story of how much uh, the brand has progressed from the beginnings to now having major sponsors having 11 sports on board. So, uh, you know, we got to give the WFA a shout-out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, 10 years is uh, a long time and definitely an accomplishment, especially considering all the obstacles in women's sports that there are and how difficult it is to, to run a team, let alone a league. So I definitely think uh, that needs to be celebrated, and I'm glad that they – release that video and that uh, they're sharing that with everyone. Yeah. And you know, and it, uh, we've been highly critical, right? We have, on the show have been highly critical of certain decisions, certain things that did not happen, could have happened uh, business model, recreational model, but overall uh, I think we have to applaud them for what they're doing going forward here. I think 2020 was going to be a big year for everybody. WNFC, WFA uh, it just didn't happen, but the anticipation for 2021 in terms of all the leagues, including the anticipation of the WFLA launching in 2021. Um, it's going to be big time for women's football, especially in the North American swing. 
Yeah, I, I think that it speaks to the fact that competition is good, not only on the field, but when you're talking about multiple leagues. Um, I know that uh, a lot of us, you know, get frustrated at times because there's so many leagues that, that sometimes it can take away from our progress. But sometimes competition with the leagues can be good. And I think especially the last year or two uh, between the WSA and WNFC, you've seen them kind of push each other back and forth. And what happens is when both of those entities respond to that challenge, then it's better for everyone. So I'm hoping that the other leagues can respond as well. Um, But uh, I think, you know, it's one of those things that you're right. I thought that uh, this year was going to be a big jump for our sport and, Unfortunately, like a lot of other things during this year, it kind of got pushed on pause. But I do think there um, are some silver linings in, in that it's given um, some the leagues and, and uh, teams and individual players time to try to get to some of the stuff that they probably didn't have time for before. And so I think, um, you know, going into next year, you know, everyone should be better off for it. All right, uh, Holly, let's throw this out. Uh, congratulations to Brian Sweeney, uh, Minnesota Vixen uh, PA announcer, and he was honored at the National Association of Sports Public Address Announcers. So shout out to Brian out there. Uh, I know I, I met him at the Hall of Fame game last year, a, a real pro and a, a very deserving. And so shout out to Brian Sweeney of the Minnesota Vixen for that honors. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. That's another um... – section of the sport that I think has developed, especially since I started playing. Um, And you can tell when, uh, you know, uh, an announcer knows what they're doing and is really passionate. And when you combine the knowledge of the teams, that passion um, and the technical skills, I think that is a a section of the sport that's going to continue to grow. So um, Brian getting recognized, I hope is just the start of that um, section of our sport continuing to grow. All right. So, Holly, um, Liz Sowers threw out an uh, Instagram, uh, I guess you want to say a comment, based on the fact that I guess uh, Katie wasn't in the proper coaching respect area in terms of the seating with the Niners. Um, I don't know if that's – you know what I mean? It's like – is that like – something internal that they could be dealt with, or maybe she just got a little bit more annoyed at the fact that it wasn't done that way. And so I don't, I don't know how to ask the question of like, what is the take here? Should we, you know, give the Niners a, a break here or, or are they not realizing that, you know, she might be there. And then there's other scenarios where people are like, well, maybe there wasn't enough seats, you know, I mean, so what do we make of it? Like a big deal, no big deal. In other words, um, it's one of those things that when you have a post like that on social media, we just have no idea because we're never going to probably know the details of what was happening internally. And we're probably also never going to know the details of <clears throat> the situation between Liz and Katie. I, I can it, I can see Liz being very protective over her sister, which everyone I think can mm-hmm. understand and relate to. But we just mm-hmm. have no idea. We don't know if, they talked about it and Katie's like, yeah, go ahead. Or if they didn't talk about it or Liz was just like, I'm just going to stand up for you. We, we have no idea. And so in my opinion, 
you know, it could be an internal issue. And, like, I I think everyone, this might be a personality thing, I think, really. Um, I think when you have things that you're frustrated in your workplace, everyone handles it differently, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess for me it's not really that big of a deal either way. And her post, in my opinion, is not that big of a deal either way. Because we, um, as the general public, are just never going to know the details of any of this. So I guess at the, the the long and the short of it is all we really know is that Liz cares about her sister, which I think is valid. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think just the fact that it was put out maybe is a heads up for the Niners in some ways or maybe something that could be, you know, remedied internally as to your point. Um, and right. it should be probably fixed. shouldn't be a big deal. Um Fitz, Ma- Fitz Ma- Magic is back. I don't know if you heard <laughs> on Thursday night, <laughs> 31 to 13. I was way off with Minchu. I was already giving Minchu my, oh, my God, this guy's going to be good. The Jags are going to – and way off was I. <laughs> well, Fitz, he has actually, like, created um, a niche for himself. Um, I think I saw – a video about a year ago where somebody documented his career, and it's uncanny. He is basically like the stopgap quarterback mercenary, and that's who he is. So if there's a team out there that has, like, a young quarterback or they, they don't have their future guy, but they're like, we need somebody in the meantime until we get our future guy, him. So he comes onto their team, and he plays really, really well for, like, I don't know, four, five, six games. And then something happens where he falls off, and then the uh, guy behind him comes in and starts to do well, and then he ends up leaving and going somewhere else. And he's really done this like six, seven times. <laughs> so, and I think he knows that that's who he is, and so he's kind of embraced that role of kind of the mercenary guy that just comes in and does the job when it needs to be done, and then moves on to the next team. And um, you know, so you know, hats off to him because. Not many guys can do that. Not many people have the ability to learn a playbook, learn a new team, do really well, and and at the same time try to mentor the people behind him. So I think he's really embraced that, and that's what you can see, what you saw on Thursday. Holly, what do you say of uh, the the Sunday night game? We already knew Russell. Russell's just playing amazing ball right now. Uh, Seahawks on both sides of the balls are doing pretty well. Uh, Dallas literally uh, starting to be like a second-half team with some sort of panic mode, um, the opposite of the Atlanta Falcons at this point. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Seattle keeps rolling on, on, on Sunday night. That was a really good game. So you have a couple different things with this particular game, and I think it's easier to kind of dissect each team. <clears throat> so with the, the Seahawks, you know, I've said this a long time, and I think because I'm in the Northwest, and even though I'm a Niners fan, like, I watch the Seahawks all the time because that's, like, our rival. And the Seahawks are who they are because of Russell. Like, if you didn't have Russell, I don't think mm-hmm. they would know who they were. And as long as they have Russell, it does not matter who else they have. Ideally, you would want more people around him, and they do have some talent around him. But – it doesn't matter if you had 10 guys off the street, Russell would find a way, and that's who he is. And that's always who he's been. It's really funny to me that people are, like, starting to talk about him for MVP because he's, he is, in my opinion, he's just as good as he was before. 
And he should have had this like before, in my opinion. Uh, but the downside for the Seahawks is that their defense is now really beat up. Their running back is uh, Carson. He might be out for a couple of weeks. So the the injury bug um, has left Francisco for a minute and also latched on to Seattle. Um, and so we'll see what the, the defense injuries will end up looking for them. Um, but they got knocked around during this game a bit uh, with the injuries. The Cowboys, in my opinion, are that team – like we talked about, um, you know, I think we talked about this last week, and that there's always these teams that are like the, the media teams, like the Cowboys, Yankees, Notre Dame, that every season going into the season, everyone, if they're even halfway decent, the media is like, oh, my God, they're going to win the Super Bowl. And that's what happened going into the season. Everyone's like, oh, my God, look at all the names on the Cowboys. And, and being a good team on paper is different than being a good team. And when you watch that game, you could see that even though the Cowboys are talented, they don't have discipline at all. Their secondary just killed them. I don't even know how many times there was drives that the Seahawks should have been off the field and there was a uh, secondary penalty. And then there was other really bad mistakes. So the Cowboys, what you're seeing, you know, you're talking about the – um, panicking and trying to make comebacks, that's, you don't want to live like that every week. And the reason why they're digging a big hole in the first place is because they're undisciplined. And then they're trying to dig it out at the last minute, and you're not going to win a lot of games that way. And, in fact, really, you know, the South and Falcon, they should 0-3, and, and that's ridiculous considering the talent they have. So I think it's a culture issue with the Cowboys. I don't know where you begin to fix that because it's a new coach, um, you know, but they need to fix that. If they want to go to the Super Bowl in the playoff scenarios, those mistakes will kill you. And the Seahawks are a playoff team, and that's what killed the Cowboys. Is is it McCarthy then at this point? Would it be McCarthy that we're looking at primarily? Because that happened in Green Bay too. No? I think – I think it's probably a combination of both because when you're talking about a new coach, you can't really judge him on <clears throat> three games. I mean, that's just kind of silly, yeah, especially when a lot sure. of the players were there before. You have to allow a coach, I'd say at least a couple of years, really, before they instill their, like all of their culture and all their philosophy. So, yes and no. I mean, McCarthy had issues like that with the Packers a bit, yes. But the Cowboys have always had this problem for the last two or three years, I would say is that on paper they have talent, but they can't – they don't execute in, in the big scenarios or the big situations. I don't think it's Dak. I think he tries to do the best he can. I don't think he's as good as people think, but I also think he's pretty solid. I think this is a – there's some sort of cultural issue where the, 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 the details and the discipline are pretty – I don't know. Let's say, like, you're talking about the Patriots and how we were talking about the devils and the, uh, the details with them, and that's part of their culture, it seems that that's missing with the Cowboys. You know, I agree. I think the, the reality there for them is how do they – I mean, like, to, to your point, they got Gallup, they got uh, Cooper, they got weapons, and they got a great running back. I mean, they just can't seem to put it together for four quarters. They can't do it. And then they, they go one quarter on a decent football, and then, and then they collapse on it. Um. What before we bring in our uh, no joke football uh, guest, which is the uh, talented uh, and beautiful Nicole Rodriguez of the NR- NRPR group, 
Um, let's finish up here with Monday night. So Mahomes has completely owned Baltimore, and obviously Jackson, no better here. And so 34-20, um, I would say Kansas City is in a, it's a good state right now. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, like, you look at the, the Chiefs versus the Chargers last week and then them versus the Ravens, and I think the Ravens are probably top to bottom more talented than the Chargers, but I don't think the Ravens match up well with the Chiefs. And, you know, it's one of those things that I, like, the, the Ravens, I think one of the problems with the Ravens is when you have Lamar, he is who he is, and he's really good at what he does. But the problem is is that they're not built to be in a shootout, and they're not built to play from behind because the passing game is is not there, and their offense is really predictable. So it made the Chiefs defense look like all world, even though they're like, okay, pretty solid, but not great. And I really think halfway through that game, what I noticed, though, is when the Chiefs started getting up, I think, like two scores, the Ravens just look completely defeated. And I think sometimes in football and in other sports you can see this, when there's a, um, you know, a rival-type game and one team keeps beating the other team, the team that keeps getting beat like the Ravens, I think they start to believe they can't beat the Chiefs. So you could see the body language. They just look utterly defeated. And then they got a play or two, and they tried to come back a little bit, but I really think with the Ravens, it's a couple of things. Your offense gets way too one-dimensional, especially when you're playing from behind. The way too predictable. And then on top of it, I think they have a mental block when it comes to the Chiefs. And they're, if they want to get to the Super Bowl with the talent that they have, they're going to have to overcome those two things. I agree. I think that that's one of the key problems that they're having. Um, they're basically – they got the weapons. They got Andrews. They got Ingram. They got they got weapons. They just can't seem to try to put it together. But once the Chiefs get a lead on, they got Hill. They got Kelsey. They they have so many options that I think that's the big difference there. So um, let's go into the huddle, uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. Zazzle's our sponsor. It's been our sponsor for eight years. They're the ones that keep us afloat on the podcast. And you can go there at uh, Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties and get everything up to fifteen percent off tees, leggings, hoodies. And whatever you need there to support the podcast as well as support women's football. So let's go into the huddle right now. And we're going to be talking to the uh, talented Nicole Rodriguez of the NRPR group. The worst. Expect greatness. Expect greatness. From our preparation to the way we perform to the way we shine. Expect greatness. Expect it from yourself. Expect it from your teammates. Expect it from this team. We all right, Nicole, expect greatness. Welcome to the huddle uh, with Holly <laughs> Custis and myself. How you doing? I am good. How are you? You're doing great. Glad to have you back on. Uh, congratulations on all your success and maneuvering through COVID-19. You are the best. No, thank you, Oscar. I really, really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a whirlwind year already. It's, I can't believe we're already looking at, you know, the last 
quarter, I would say, of the year. October is literally in a few days, and it's just zipped right by, you know, for better or for worse. But um, definitely been a roller coaster. Okay, so I didn't know you were on Forbes contributor until uh, one of my friends sent me a post about what you what you had said, and then they got shocked because I said, "Oh, I know her." And they're like, no way. You don't know her. She's on Forbes. How do you know people yes. like this? And I'm like, I do know her, and they didn't believe me. Uh, but anyways, it's besides the point, you're on Forbes. So uh, congratulations for being a, a contributor there and with, with key insights as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I, I like to share knowledge. I believe that that's the whole – I don't know. I think that's how we all grow as a – as a human race and a society, you know, if you learn something and you know something that can help other people who might be faced with a similar situation, share that knowledge, help them. You know, there is plenty of room at the top is what I like to to even tell my employees. It's like, look, the more I give you, I'm not afraid that you're going to come in and take my job. In fact, you know what? I welcome that day. I am looking forward to the day I can retire, play golf, watch football, and one of you guys could run this company just as well as I can, I am going to give you as much knowledge as I possibly can because I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> so, Which is yeah, uplifting, I, I, I right? Inspirational and uplifting yeah. because a lot of people don't, ha- don't see it that way. There's businesses where right. they're very rigid. They don't see it as a Absolutely. progression, right, or a, pre, a pre-retirement <laughs> to run the business and, <laughs> and do that. Um, a lot of people have very good, very reservations, like very strict reservations on they got to keep it in house and, you know, things like that where they don't want to lose control uh, in that aspect of it. So in that sense, sometimes you hinder somebody's potential and then they kind of move on to something else and then you lost some sort of a, a asset to the company, in other words. That's right. And it's it, just like a football team, too, and this is what I tell my team, it is not easy to win championships. And if it was easy, every single team in the NFL, it would always be so, so, so competitive that it's all because every team is just operating perfectly, right? And, and at the end of the day, the, the, it's not easy. You get new talent in. You got to train the talent. You got to get them in not just um, to, you know, to perform, but also to feel good about what it is they're doing. And so how I build my team is very much you know, a, a lot of what I learned when I was working for the Raiders, you know, and um, it was very much a family. It still is. And, you know, you build a community, you get everybody going, you get, I mean, I used to be excited showing up to work super, super early in the morning, you know, with my, my Raiders sweats on, you know, cause you get in the gear and then I would leave late and I would feel so fulfilled and it would be a busy day, but that's what I tell my team now, you know, if we want to win championships, you know, we win a lot of awards. Um, we got to show up and we've got to show up not only for the company, but for ourselves. And so me as the leader, I'm, I'm very, very, you know, conscious about asking them, what are, what are your aspirations? What do you want to do while you're here? What is it that I can teach you while you're here so that you feel like, Oh, well, you know, she's just, teaching me to, to run her company. No, I, I, I get my, my hands dirty. I mean, I've been up for a little bit over 24 hours on so much caffeine. It's crazy, Oscar. But it's because we had a, a client who made a very, um, on purpose, we, we made a very controversial announcement. And so, 
you know, we have to keep an eye on that, right? Understanding that we're sure. walking into a situation where not everybody's going to be happy about it. So who is the one who stayed up 24 hours to make sure that the CEO made a video that addressed all of the points? I did. I stayed yeah. up. <laughs> that was me. And, and so I think leadership. Coach. That's right. So if I'm putting it in Forbes and you're reading it, it is true. It is coming straight from a true source. <laughs> and it's an <laughs> honor to have been chosen to, to write, you know, for them because it's, you know, you, uh, it, yeah, it's just an honor. They don't give that away to everybody. And so um, no, they don't. Uh, I'm glad that your friend <laughs> saw that and found it helpful. Yeah, he was uh, surprised to know that I actually know you and I've interviewed you and I've had a conversation. I even had to send him our our previous podcast, and he's like, "Oh, you're there. You go. You're right." And so I was yeah, like, well, "Here it is, live." <laughs> and I said, "Almost once a year." Tell him I get to talk to her once a yeah. year. I said, um, "So it's really really cool." Um, you had Beverly Hills Boss, the, the book. Yeah. Uh, you set up your podcast now, so um, I don't know. You're dwelling into a, a different realm, uh, especially with COVID, right? Like we're all like yeah. kind of nested in, in in a in a home state in a way. But some of us, like some of us, work remotely anyways. You know, like my accounts are social media based accounts, so I'm on my phone, I'm on my tablet, my laptop, you know, whatever. Um, so it's no different uh, for just putting a mask on. I was basically sheltered right. at home for the, for the most part. Uh, but there's other people that had yeah. other intangibles, you know, restaurants and depending on the industry, you mm-hmm. had to make adjustments and, and make changes and, um, you know, personnel or, you know, work remotely, which is a little tough to do. Yeah, no, it absolutely has. I mean, we're all making adjustments as best we can. I think some people are, are dealing with it a little bit better. Um, and I think this is where just mindset and I think being uh, even challenged as an athlete you know, when I, when I was a cheerleader, it was, uh, things were, were tough, you know, where I'm working full time. I was also a mom. I'm trying to build my career and then I'm, I'm also cheering and I have to adjust to, you know, um, a new way of life. I think at that point I was in my early twenties and it was like, oh, okay, I can't, I can't leave the house until my hair is done. Oh, I forget. I'm, I'm people in my community are actually looking, you know, looking at me as, as a representative. And so it might not be a mask, <laughs> but I couldn't leave the house until my hair was done. Right. You know, I couldn't walk out with curlers. And so I, I'm telling people, I'm like, a mask is an easy thing to put on. Imagine having to actually do your hair every day as somebody who's used to ponytails. Um, so I just think, you know, whatever it is that life is throwing at you, if we all can take that in as a, some sort of learning lesson or some sort of opportunity right? An opportunity to change, to pivot, to go inside and see what it is we can do. We've all had so much more time at home than we ever had before. And I've just learned to really appreciate that because at the end of the day, I was go, 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 traveling everywhere for work, being able to stay home with my daughter and, you know, watch movies with her and and do that has been an incredible blessing. On the outside, there are so many other things that are going out that are, you know, tough. But my daughter and thankfully, you know, my company are doing well. And, and I just look at that as a blessing and I have to, you know, be thankful. And the only thing I can do is motivate others. Find the silver lining. You have to. Otherwise, life just is it's hard already. Why, why 
have your mindset be something that, that makes it worse for you. I agree. Uh, let's bring in Holly here to pick your brain. Uh, Holly, also an HR specialist and a uh, Hall of Famer in women's tackle football, so a lot of credentials there too. Great. Hi, Hello. Holly. Hi. Uh, let's see. I think I had a couple of questions for you. You know, I know that you have a background and uh, PR, and mm-hmm. I know that uh, we're dealing with a lot during 2020. Um, to pick your brain on how you would approach uh, marketing in the NFL with uh, the racial equality issues that are going on and how you would approach that. Sure. You know, and, and here's the thing that I've also learned when it comes to, to PR and situations. You have to look at every situation as a singular situation, Right. There are so many elements that are usually involved. Um, one element that, that can involve racial tension can be completely separate from something else. And I think we as humans, depending on how much drama you grew up with in your family, I'm the oldest of nine, so there was drama everywhere. It was everything, you know, <laughs> it was this and this. And, you know, you really have to learn to, to just really reel it in for yourself. And so with, with me, um, I, it, I really, really, because I've been in, in these crisis situations, you know, um, doing PR for the Raiders, I think, is like boot camp for, you know, crisis comms. But <laughs> every day was a, a new one. Uh, but mm-hmm. if, you, if you can take a look at a situation, and I always believe in making sure that you hear both sides, um, doing your due diligence to get to the bottom of what it is and also understanding that human nature means we make mistakes and that means that we need to relate to the people on the other side and if you make a mistake if someone on your staff makes a mistake and you are the GM or you are you know the the owner of of um, an organization and you've made a mistake you've got to figure out the right ways to own it because at the other end of that are humans who will be forgiving over time if they believe that you yourself are sorry. And so if you can do that and, and move towards change right away, especially when it comes to, you know, inequalities and the things that are happening here, um, you just got to be real, get down to that human side and, and humans will listen to you. Right. That's great. I do think that they have kind of taken that road, at least, uh, you know, this season compared to the last couple. Um, That's good to see. And and I know that you are obviously a Raiders person. Uh, Mm -hmm. Have you been to the new stadium yet? Of course. Oh, my goodness. While it was dirt and gravel and and as it was being built, um, absolutely, with so much pride and knowing that, that Mr. Davis is shining his, his fire <laughs> down on our first stadium that belongs to us and only us is, to me, I, as a lifelong fan and someone who understands, too, that the business of football means that you, you have to make money and stadiums are a huge part of how that happens. And knowing that the Raiders didn't have one before and that we were such a key 
we're such a key part of the, the NFL history in general for us to not have our right. own stadium for as long as we didn't. Oh my gosh. So yes, absolutely. And I can't wait for games to actually happen there because it is going to be an experience like, like nothing else. And I believe me, I've been to a lot of NFL stadiums and uh, this one let's just say there's a reason it's in Vegas. So <laughs> you got to right. check it out, check out a game, you know, obviously hopefully next year when, when everything is, is going to be okay. But, you know, from the club seats to the regular seats to the, uh, everything, everything about it. Incredible. Yeah. I, um, I think I drove by when it was pretty much in the, in the dirt type stage mm-hmm. and they, they were, uh, excavating and everything, and so it looks awesome on TV, and I'm really glad that they decided uh, to just hold off on anybody coming in until next year so everyone can experience it. I just, it just looks awesome, and I was really excited to check that one out, and also SoFi looks really nice as well, so I just thought yeah. that was really cool. Um, and then I guess, um, you know, my final question for you would be, uh, what do you think of your team this year? Do you think they have what it takes to make a run. Do you think, um, you know, Carr can lead you to the playoffs? What are your thoughts on it? Well, uh, I certainly hope that Carr doesn't get in trouble for this news that just broke a couple of hours ago about the mask. Um, I am a big fan of his. Um, I think he's a good leader. Um, Do I think he has what it takes? Yes, he has to just find it in himself to, you know, to kind of, break free. I feel like we've all seen Carr at like an eight. There's something inside me that says that this guy just hasn't unleashed on, on even his full true potential yet. Right. And, and I've seen a lot Mm -hmm. of great quarterbacks and I believe that he has what it takes to be one. And um, I know he had an injury a few, few seasons ago. He's obviously been healing from that um, with his shoulder. And I, I hope that the energy having a new stadium, a new home, um, something to really be proud of. And, and obviously he's now been with the Raiders for a couple of years. So getting more comfortable. I just, I'm really looking forward to seeing Carr break into his true potential. Cause I think when he does that, that, that almost that missing link that we need in the Raider organization and our team to, to help us get there. I think we've got the, we've got Chucky back. I am personally happy about that. Um, but, you know, it's it, it takes a lot of elements to come together, and the quarterback element is key. No, I, I completely agree, and I think um, I'm definitely a, a Marcus person, you know, because I'm an Oregon fan, and mm-hmm. I think the their, you know, friendship will benefit both of them because I do think you're right. I think Carr – it's almost like he takes it so seriously he can't enjoy it, but Marcus yeah. is different the fact that he does enjoy it. So, uh, and Marcus, you know, he just got his confidence knocked around a bit and he got injured. So maybe the combination of both of them together can help. Make more, both of them can help each other, basically, is what I'm saying. So hopefully we see that happen. Uh, but thank you so much. You know, I, yeah. I think that uh, you're doing great work and, I hope that you can get some sleep, you know, if this is good too. <laughs> yes, I know. Literally after this, I'm going to have a little bit of dinner and just call it an early night. We uh, we succeeded and, and made it through today. So, yes. 
Nicole, uh, hey, thanks for you, coming Arthur. in. Is it is it anything else uh, that you're doing now besides the Beverly Hills Boss uh, segments on YouTube and obviously your book as as success as it is? So anything we need to let our audience know to keep tabs with you in terms of what's coming up next for you? Yeah, no, something very, very important. And, you know, we'll be announcing it on October 15th. And, um, Oscar, we'll okay. make sure that you have that so that you can share that. Um, but I'll give you a little sneak peek. You know, while this pandemic has been, you know, just really shifting people's lives everywhere, um, so many people have come to me, um, okay, I've lost my job and I don't know what to do, or I have this idea about a business and, you know, maybe you can help me with the marketing, Nicole, and maybe we can do this. And what I found was there was this entire open opportunity to help American people, especially visionaries, people who have great ideas, but don't necessarily know how to get an actual business off the ground, right? And, and seeing as I have now three, and I've, I've launched almost 57 companies, and I thought, not of my own, of course, my you know, clients. I said, you know what, there is, there is an opportunity here to help the people because entrepreneurship is not something you learn in high school. You know, if you go to college, you might take an entrepreneurship class, but ultimately you're going to come out the other end, a professional in some other realm. I came out a PR person. I didn't come out a CEO. And so when I started NRPR, I was already 14 years into my career, and I had watched other businesses launch and grow, which gave me a foundation to understand what does it actually mean to be a real business? Because so many people get lost in, oh, I created this great product, or hey, I offer this great service. But they're actually not considered by all standards a real company. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that's why so many people fail. And what I realized was, not only do I know how to help people with their messaging, obviously their websites, their social media, getting them coverage or whatever, but because I've done it now for myself, for this company, my nonprofit, and, you know, my other, I actually know how to tell people how to become a legitimate business and how to get yep. them there. And, and without just saying, here are the steps, it's like, you know what? What do you want to do? I can actually do that for you. Take the stress out of you having to create your company on your own. What do you want? We'll get your logo, your website, your social media, your PR, your marketing. We'll even get your LinkedIn, get you all together and hand you the keys to your actual company. That process took me almost a year to get off the ground for NRPR group. And we've mastered it to like three months. I could literally make a real company in three months. And That's for awesome. that, for how many people who don't know how, I my new thing here is that I want to give this to people. If you have an idea for a business, don't stop yourself because you don't know how. I know how, and I want to help. And, and so that is now a whole new area that my, my company, we're actually working with four brand new companies right now. And I, I can't say which ones because they're all going to be basically be announced, but from zero to an actual real and functioning startup, is, is what we're able to do with companies. And I really want to help people understand that, you know, don't stop your dream because you don't know how to take the first step. You have a place to go that will help you out. All right, Nicole, I really appreciate you coming on, giving us your insights. You're always insightful. 
Congratulations wow. on your awards. Congratulations to your team as well for doing so much a wonderful job. To Sam for setting up the interview for us. Uh, really appreciate her. Um, and on top of that, uh, we're going to watch out for all this news coming up in the middle of October. And continued success. You're awesome. And uh, we welcome you on the show anytime. And uh, love your insights. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I really, really appreciate it. So you keep up the good work as well, and thank you for all of your support. I just love seeing, you know, seeing you up on Facebook and being able to interact. So it's like we're lifelong friends, and, you know, we've we've only been interacting online and through the phone all these years. So you keep it up. I'm very proud of your growth as well, and thank you always for your support. Thank you, Nicole. You're wonderful. Get some rest, as Holly said, and uh, <laughs> some Z's. I really appreciate it. And then safe travels out there and stay COVID-free. Uh, God bless you for all your success as well. So continue success. Same to you. All right, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, Nicole Rodriguez, NRPR Group, uh, very successful. Uh, Holly, she's a entrepreneur. Um, I've met her uh, what, a couple years ago. Uh, she's been able to kind of guide me in a lot of things as well. So, you know, who else, who else to get insights than from somebody that's very successful and has awards and, and obviously a lot of accolades and an inspirational speaker on, on top of all that. So she's really, really awesome. Definitely. I think, um, you know, anytime you have, um, a, you know, a, a woman that has that kind of success, it really trickles down uh, because, you know, other females that are either trying to start their businesses or they're younger and they're thinking about what they want to do in life. When you have people like that that you can that are accessible like she is and that you can that you can find information from, then that makes it so much easier to find your own path. So I think what she's doing is great. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a journey for her, like she said. She started from the ground up, made her own branding. Now he's, she's able to assist others with it. So I think it's uh, rewarding for her to take somebody under her wing and actually, like she said, you know, produce something from nothing. So it makes it really rewarding for her as well. All right. Um, so check out Nicole, uh, nrprgroup.com. You can also go uh, Nicole Rodriguez uh, on Facebook. And then I believe it's Nicole, uh, Nicole PR. Uh, Nicole and RPR on Instagram. So you can check her out there. Uh, we have the links also uh, on my Facebook page. So you can follow me. You can actually get the links there to, to her uh, groups and her branding. All right, uh, Holly, um, let's just finish up here with uh, NFL college football. Uh, let's see here. Thursday night, we got Denver at the Jets coming up this weekend. Um, I I don't know, Donald versus uh, what – Gordon, because they got no quarterback now in Denver. So uh, this is a a must win for the Jets or a salvage season for the Jets. But your Niners did a pretty pretty good job on them. So I don't know if recover on a short week here. Um, I think this Thursday night game is is the you know desperation bowl basically. Um, I think the Jets had a lot of expectations going into the season, so did the Broncos. And both of them have just completely fallen flat. I think for the Broncos, you know, you, you lost Drew luck, and that's not good considering you're already down, you know, Von Miller, and you, you're kind of struggling a little bit. I think the Jets, though, 
are a bigger issue because at some point Sam Darnold needs to do something. And I think he will probably be okay at the end of this year if they're not productive. But going into next year, I think that's going to be kind of where his, um, you know, where the, the Jet fan base starts to lose patience with him. And, you know, he's a guy that when he was in college at USC, um, you know, I think he was solid, but I think the hype on him was a little too high in my opinion. I think I think he's okay, but he's not gonna. If, if you're gonna have him as your starter, for, like your starting quarterback, you better have enough weapons to to help him. And right now, with their injuries too, he's just not able to create a whole bunch. I mean, the Niners lost. I mean, gosh, we have like ten starters out right now, and they still there was no protection for for Donald either. Like he he was staffed all over the place, and these are guys that. We brought up off the practice squad. So I think um, both of these teams need to win very badly, is what I'll say. Well, Denver, New, uh, New, the Jets for sure. Uh, Denver, um, I guess I have to agree with you. Somebody has to put a W up because they're at the bottom of the cellars in both divisions. So, yeah. It's a, right. And then they're, then they're on the national spotlight. So, <laughs> I don't know what kind of crappy game we're going right. to get or we're going to get it like a shootout game, right? Because you got two two teams that are pretty bad. Either we're going to get a real blunder, fumbles, and all that anticipation. So we'll see. Um, your Niners uh, on Sunday night will take on the Eagles, who kind of revised themselves this past weekend. Um, so where do you think you, uh, your team's going to do here against uh, Philly? Uh, Philly coming to the West Coast. So... I'll start with my team. So, you know, it's one of those things that, again, we have like like nine, ten starters down. But the good news, if you're a Niners fan, is that there's only two of them that are out the rest of the season, uh, and most of them are pretty mild, and then there's a couple, like, intermediate entries, right? But I think if we can just get through the next couple of weeks, some of these guys are going to start to come back, like, Kittle might be back this week, if not next week. Mm-hmm. Jimmy might be back this week, if not next mm-hmm. week. Sherman will be back in a couple of weeks. So some of these guys are going to start to come back, right? So considering all of the turmoil and adversity that I have had, they played really well the last few weeks. And like I said before, they are making moves all over the place. They are pulling people off the street. And it speaks to the volume of their personnel department that they had some of these guys started away on their practice squad that they are bringing up and now they're producing. And then they're bringing other guys and putting them on the practice squad. They're making moves all over the place. But that being said, it also speaks to the, the culture. It speaks to the, the uh, coaching, um, you know, and if we can get through the next couple of weeks, when those guys start coming back, that's going to hit right about the time the meat of our schedule hits. So I think you're going to see a lot of national media that's going to just sleep on the Niners, which is fine because it takes the pressure off of it. But I do think the Niners still have a lot to play for. And if you look at the list of the 10 people that are, like, out, there's only two of them that are out the whole season. So it doesn't mean that the, the Niners, you know, are lost at all. Yeah, that it's not a mass unit per se. No. Right? It's not a mass unit per se. So like, yeah. It's more like they're – 
you know, I, I was joking with the, the game against the Giants this week. It was like our JV team, but our JV yeah. team is actually pretty good, and our JV mm-hmm. team would beat most of the league. Um, so, you know, that being said, when you look at the Eagles, they are underproducing like hell this mm-hmm. year. And Wentz, I think, you know, we were talking about Sam Darnold might have, um, you know, maybe until next year, like with uh, his leash. I think Wentz, this is his year where if he doesn't produce um, and he doesn't, um, you know, produce well uh, towards the end of this year, I think they're going to lose their patience. Um, you know, because he's Probably not the only well. good he's thing in Philly <laughs> is that they don't have the fans there. Otherwise, he'd be getting, he'd be right. eaten alive. Oh no! I There's mean, nobody in the stands. Otherwise, he's... they would have thrown stuff at him. They would I have. Think... <laughs> I I totally agree with you. I think the only good like spot in Philly is that I do think Miles Sanders uh, is a pretty solid player, and they have a oh, couple yeah. guys that I think are pretty talented. But I just think that. I think when Wentz went down in that playoff game last year, I think it just knocked his confidence around, and he just doesn't – he seems very timid, and he, he's, like, hesitating, and he's not making good decisions. Um, and so I think, you know, the Eagles have talent, but they're definitely underperforming. So you combine those two, and I really think the Niners should should win this game. I'd be very surprised if we didn't, and the only reason why I think we would is if there was a lot of turnovers. But Nick Mullins came in last week and played really well. He had 350 yeah. yards passing. You know, he was But it was the Jets, Holly. He has improved. But it, know, it was the Jets. Improved. So it's kind and, of a tuner. It's like a preseason well, game Well, actually, it was the Giants. It was the Giants. It was, it was the <laughs> no, Giants last saying, week. But, yeah, the Jets and Giants. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it was like a preseason yeah. game. So imagine that's two games yeah. preseason, right? This is kind of like a tuner, like well, week four of the preseason. So this should be the benchmark right here, even with, like you said, with, I, you know, two two key injuries, but the rest of them are stepping up. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, um, like you, we talked about before, with no preseason, you're right, that uh, some of these issues with teams around the league will go away, you know, uh, especially if you look at a team like uh, Tampa Bay that hadn't had mm-hmm. a chance to really play together at all. They're starting to gel a little bit more. Um, I do think, though, the Niners might be a team that benefits from these injuries early because it really gets guys on the field that wouldn't have gotten on the field. And now you have more right. depth, which we're going to need when we get to the heart of our schedule because, let's be honest, our division is the hardest in football by far. And mm-hmm. you could easily, now that there's seven teams from each conference going to the playoffs, you could easily get three teams from the division into the playoffs. And I think you might. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a division that's tough, all of the division games are going to be really tough. And so you're going to need those guys. So I'm excited because I, I really, at first I was like, oh, my God, what the hell is happening? The sky is falling. Like, it was just, it was terrible. Um, but now I'm thinking about it logically, and I'm like, you know what? If we can weather this storm, we will be better off for it. Um, it's so no that's di- what I thought. Holly, this is no different than uh, uh, your wife's uh, injury and the uh, pins put in, and, and now we're going back to rehab, oh, yeah. so we're good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a positive. I mean, it's a you positive. know, sometimes, we're good. <laughs> sometimes with rehab, and I, I've had this, you know, with uh, my my injuries as well, is what happens is it really affects it in the moment, but when you're working through the, the process, 
you actually yeah. end up stronger in the end, and partly because you learn better habits of how to train or, like, specific things you need to work mm-hmm. on, and you end up better in the long run. But it does suck in, in when it first happens. But if you look at it correctly and use it as an opportunity, you can get better from it. All right. Uh, no McCarthy in Green Bay, shipped out of Cheese City, Aaron Rodgers, the GOAT. Are we are we there yet, or do we give Aaron Rodgers like four more weeks? Because Atlanta shows up in Green Bay, and the way they have been playing ball the last three weeks, um, I don't think the owner is going to be as patient. Maybe this week or next week, but if they somehow show up again in a second half collapse one more time, and it might happen against Rodgers. So Monday night game, interesting whether Quinn keeps his job, whether the owner's going to be patient another couple of weeks, Atlanta has issues. Well, I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the Ravens. Sometimes it becomes psychological and, you know, or a team that uh, always seems to collapse, like, let's, for example, like the Lions or forever it was the Cubs until they finally won, is that, it becomes psychological in that it's almost like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like you, you get out early and, you know, they play well in, in spurts, but they're not consistent enough. And then what happens is it's like, let's say you were up by two scores and it's like the third quarter. And then the team starts that you're playing starts to get momentum. If you are used to losing situations like that, you start to think, oh, my God, here we go again. And then when you start to focus on here we go again, you stop focusing on your assignment and then your job and what you're supposed to do in that moment. And then everything, you know, um, it's, it's like a snowball. And and I think Atlanta, uh, I think you're right. I think if they don't start to prove themselves that they can get out, because it's, what, the three games in a row that this has happened? If they this will be three games in a row. Resolve that, I think that they need – there's probably going to be changes. And, um, you know, and you then they don't even have Julio Jones to, you know, Julio Jones they don't have. So there's, I mean, they have uh, replacements. They had acquisitions. They picked up, you know, a tight end. Um, they, they, they have weapons. You know, there's no option. I mean, Gurley's right. playing pretty well. It just can they do it for four quarters. That's really been their issue for the right. last three weeks. Can they do it for four quarters? Yeah. And that is a, a big issue. And the thing about the NFL is even if you're um, the best team in the league or the worst team in the league, most of the games come down to one or two possessions. And mm-hmm. you don't see a whole lot of blowouts usually, right? So if you're talking about one or two possessions, then you're talking about you need to be able to execute in those situations or you're going to lose. And so – I don't know. I think it's psychological with with Atlanta at this point. I think, you know, you can you can um, get away with one or two games that happen like that. But when it happens over and over and over, I think it, it's psychological. So, um, I, I you know, I feel really bad for Julio because I think he's one of the best receivers to ever play. He's just incredible. And I feel like he's kind of getting older now, and I'm worried that he might the window might be closing. So I think um, Atlanta needs to to write the shit quickly. So you're thinking upset on Monday night against Rodgers. Is that what you're predicting? 
Um, I'd say this. I'd say the Packers for me are interesting because they are they you know, Rodgers is on fire early. But the interesting thing about the Packers is last year they were thirteen to three. They had a really good regular season. Mm-hmm. But when they faced a team that could get pressure on Rodgers, they didn't do well. And then when you look at them on paper, you're like, okay, well, you you didn't end up really adding the weapons that Rodgers was asking for. What's happening right now is that Rodgers is playing really well. But I don't – I think, you know, the the game against the Saints said more about the Saints in that I think the Saints are struggling – and I think what what happened is that I think honestly, you know, people I know that a lot of announcers were talking about, well, the Drew Brees lost his arm strength and all this, and I'm like, no, he he never really he can't throw the ball like Rogers. Like Rogers, I was at a game where he was like falling out of bounds off of one foot and threw the ball six yards across his body in the air, and then it was a touchdown. And he has crazy arm strength. That was never Drew Brees. What I've noticed right. with Drew his accuracy is not there. And he is in this mode of dump it off, dump it off, dump it off, dump it off. And his accuracy in the intermediate game has fallen off. So it's not that Mm -hmm. Drew Brees threw it 60 yards, but I think what's more concerning is that now he's not as accurate in like the 10 to like 20 yard range. And all he's doing is dumping off to to Kamara because he's just, Kamara's amazing. So mm-hmm. I think, like, that's concerning, and I think the Saints are struggling. So I think the Packers are hot, but I, I think they haven't played a team that's really challenged them yet in that way. Um, so, no, I don't think the Falcons will beat the Packers, um, but I really want to see the Packers against a really strong defensive line because that was their problem last year. When my Niners played them twice, we just knocked Rodgers around silly. So I mm-hmm. want to see them, you know, against a team with a really good defensive front and see if they've improved enough, see if Rodgers has enough weapons that he can get the ball out to, and that's how you'll know if the Packers have, have made a jump. All right. So before we get out of here with you, Saturday started with number three Oklahoma losing at home to Kansas State after giving up uh, 24 straight points to the Wildcats in the final 20 minutes. So that was kind of surprising, I guess. Well, it's for college football, it's the same issue with the NFL in that the preseason was completely different. And then on top of that, the preseason, you know, with college football is a bit different in that you have the out-of-conference games, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens mm-hmm. with a lot of these programs and conferences they will schedule, let's say you have three to four out-of-conference games, they will schedule, you know, out of the three or four games, most of them are going to be cupcakes. Like, they're going to play Little Sister of the Poor down the street. It's like a Division two team, um, you know, that everyone is like a foot shorter than, than your team. They just don't have the horses, right? But use that as like your preseason game like you would in the NFL. It's, it's there so you get practice, so you get ready for your big competition. Now that that's not there, these teams didn't have a regular preseason, like as far as like fall camp and stuff like they normally would. It was kind of all wonky. But on top of that, you don't have those warm-up games. So they haven't had a chance to gel. So what you're going to see is a lot of these games where you're like, what? Like I didn't expect Oklahoma to drop that early. 
And so I think that's what you had happen there. Oklahoma, I think, in my opinion, kind of overlooked Kansas State, and they were they were mm-hmm. playing well early. But Kansas State is just like, you know, a team that has nothing to lose. And I think Oklahoma was not consistent enough to finish the game, and that bit them. But then also you had LSU lose as well. So that was the other thing that upset to Mississippi mm-hmm. State. And so I remember going into last week, I was like, well, LSU's lost basically their entire offense. They lost their quarterback, probably their top three receivers, their running back. You know, usually these schools of this caliber are so good at recruiting that they can just plug somebody else in and it's fine. So there is definitely a drop-off, definitely a drop-off in their secondary. Their secondary was really exposed. And it, I think it was really interesting because, you know, um, Leach came from Washington State. And he took his, right. you know, air raid offense to Mississippi State. And then K.J. Costello is kind of a, um, a discarded guy from Stanford. And so K.J., you could tell he's not quite operating 100% um, like as far as efficiency within the offense. Like, he's not quite there. He's being a little uncomfortable at times. But I think you give him a few games, he's going to get even more comfortable with it. And so this thing completely exposed LSU's secondary. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see what LSU does if they can bounce back and see if Oklahoma can bounce back. Because these are two schools that had national title aspirations. LSU just won a national title. So what happens now to these kids after they, they lose the first game? Are they able to bounce back or not? Well, we're going to see uh, some really good action here in the next coming in the week five. So we'll recap that next week. But these two games really kind of a shocker is number three, number six falling. Um, and so there are a lot of intangibles, like you said, behind changes that happen in the off season, including COVID. So yeah, that it puts a damper on a lot of teams and other teams are just stepping up and being noticed. So that's, it's going to be an interesting uh, season for sure with a lot of the teams that are highly ranked, maybe are going to fall even more. So, um, right. including uh, I think it was Texas falling to, to uh, or to Texas Tech, if I'm correct, in in, in uh, overtime. So that was pretty. Uh, oh, they actually Texas actually pulled it out at the end because yeah, Texas, uh, Texas, Tech well, Texas Tech kind of um, they kind of pulled a, um, an Atlanta Falcons and, and kind of blew it yeah. at the end. But it was still a good game. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a good game that uh, that I watched. The final three minutes was really good and then they went into overtime but they end up beating texas tech but there was a scare there as well so could have you could have had number eight texas fall as well so um yeah all right so holly uh before we get out of here um we have let me see here where's my notes and my notes oh a wfla draft was moved from vegas to lancaster california so um i guess we're not going to Vegas and we're not getting the money that was promised for all expenses. And so everything has been changed. And now we get to do virtual, uh, virtual draft, which means you have to submit a video to the uh, league to be considered for the draft. That's going to happen on October 19th. So um, I don't know if any of your former teammates are, going to be submitting videos to the WFLA for the 2021 season. But if you're interested, obviously that's going to happen. And then they also introduce a 
WFLA union for the players? You know, it's one of those things that I think that, um, um, you know, obviously in a general sense, COVID is very difficult to plan things. But I think for me with this league, I want to see it on the field. And it keeps moving stuff around. And then I saw something about it wants to um, have some sort of international league or something or some sort of connection. They introduced the Brazilian... WFLA already. So yes, which, which, is, which is great well. on paper, which is great on paper again, but you don't want to end up being oh, like the Cowboys and not execute. So I'm, I'm anxious to see them execute. Um, and if they are able to execute, then that's great, but I, I'm still waiting to see it. And I know we had, you know, in, in the women's game, we've always had like a union mentality. We had rise, um, who was supposed to try to support the women's, you know, the players through all, all the leagues. But now they have their own league. They're going to structure it no different than the NFLPA from what my sources are telling me. On top of that, they got the branch in Brazil, who's going to be launching it similar to this. So there's a lot of things happening in the, in, in the league. Uh, the virtual draft is going to happen on the 19th. So if you need any details, at WFLA on Instagram, you go to WFLAfootball.com uh, and get the details there. All right, Holly, well, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Looking forward Thank to you. next week. Uh, and uh, we'll t- touch base on the college football and the NFL as well. So um, go Niners, I guess, at this point, And you can watch it on Sunday night against Philly. So it should be an awesome game too. All right. Thank you. All right, Holly. Have a great night. All right, guys, that was Holly Custis, Hall of Famer, uh, WNFC Utah Falcons, former WFA Seattle Majestic, and uh, obviously our co-host here for a long, long time. I really appreciate her time and making things awesome in terms of insights with the NFL, and she knows her stuff. She follows college football, uh, big Pac-10 lover as well, Um, so she does a great job there. Um, So, you know, we have a great show today that – we brought in uh, Nicole Rodriguez and our PR group, and uh, she's uh, amazing. So if you don't follow her, go follow her and nrprgroup.com. Get the details there on everything PR. She can help you out with your business and do everything else. On top of that, Beverly Hills Boss on YouTube. So you can check her out there on YouTube. It's very simple, Beverly Hills Boss on YouTube, and you can check out all her awesome content there. She's a Forbes contributor as well on Forbes. Uh, Bulldog Award winner multiple times with the NRPR group. So I can't say enough good things about Nicole Rodriguez. She's amazing. Um, So we're going to go into the women's game before we get out of here. And we had action overseas as the German Division II League and the AFBD kicked off this past weekend. PST Trier, uh, Stampers, uh, they lose 14-8 to the Maine's Golden Eagles, who have been pretty dominant in the last couple of years in Germany. And then on top of that, we have Sarland Lady Canes and Hurricanes uh, routing the Manham um, Banditas. So the AFBD D- Division Two in Germany will kick off uh, this next weekend as well. So we'll have coverage as well from everybody in Germany uh, on the Division Two season. Division One did not play, but there is a schedule for Division Two, so we'll keep tabs on that. And you can get all the updates at Great Iron Beauty on Twitter, 
Get the updates on at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can go right there, get everything, all the lowdown on, with the best network on the planet, everything that's happening in women's American football internationally and globally. You get it right there at the hub uh, because we have the best network on the planet. So I want to give a shout out to all our network partners and uh, a bunch of my friends this week um, who uh, you know gave me some comforting words. I, I lost my, uh, my uncle, Santiago, on my dad's side of the family. Uh, and uh, obviously my cousins, uh, Luz and uh, Wendy, were going through a very tragic thing here, including my father, uh, which was kind of devastating. But other than that, I really want to thank everybody that follows me on Facebook and everybody that sent me messages um, and condolences as well for me. I um, really appreciate it, and we're in good standing right now. We're just doing our thing with the funeral services and things like that. But other than that, we're in good state. So I really appreciate everybody uh, doing that, and I thank you, everybody, for that. Um, so let's go into Sweden at this point. Sweden, um, we had action in the Division North, Stockholm versus Vastera, a rematch here of the previous uh, clash, which ended in a 6-0 to zero matchup as well for Vastera's Rodiers, and this equals the same score. So this time around, it was Vastera's 6-0 uh, to zero over the Stockholm Mean Machines, and so you get live coverage there as well and you got the uh, information on twitter as well and then over in the division one super series we got one more week to finish up here and then we go into the semifinals. so orobro gets the win against orlando jets uh, you can catch the game there also on our uh, at the hub at facebook.com for square beauties and you're going to get a rematch there on the seventh it's going to be orobro atlanta one more time rematch to see who's going to go to the finals on october 24th to take on the Karlstad Crusaders, uh, led by quarterback Sidney Green of the former Baffa women uh, in UK, including Gabby Nobbs as well. So that's going to be an exciting uh, time for the final for the Super Series. And so Orbro at Atlanta rematch here. It's an opportunity for the Jets to kind of rebound after this 18 to zero shutout loss. I think Orbro has kind of stepped up their game after a quick. A bad start. Now they they have an opportunity here to win one uh, back-to-back weeks against the Jets and maybe make uh, the case to go to the finals against Karlstad. So that would be a huge upset if they can somehow take down Karlstad in the final, which highly doubted at this point because the Crusaders are just on fire, especially with the Brit squad going in there. So um, the other uh, division, Division Two, Christianstad uh, falls 42 to 16 against Gordeberg Marbles. Then you had also Copenhagen Tomahawks fall to John Coping, 48-0. And coming up this weekend, uh, the Linham Griffins will take on the Copenhagen uh, Tomahawks, as well as John Coping uh, will be playing in that that weekend game. So we'll have all coverage there as well. Don't miss the Czech Republic coverage. That's going to happen this this weekend as well. But you can go to Fox Agency at the Hub get all the action that happened in the Czech Republic, and that's including the Brno Amazons 54-6 to win versus the Prague Black Cats. Get all the details there as well. And then the Prague Harpies as well. You can get the replay of the game right there against the Warsaw Sirens, a really awesome game, 41-38. to Warsaw has struggled all season long, not because of heart, not because they haven't been trying. It's because they have just been facing a lot of very good teams and this weekend, they almost get that first win of the season. 
Unfortunately, Prague is undefeated, and that's going to be an exciting weekend in the Czech Republic, so keep tabs on that. But you can go on YouTube uh, as well to check out the Prague Harpies under Prague Harpies on YouTube, and then you can go to Fox Agency on Facebook, and you can get Berno Amazon's big win, 54-6 to against the Prague by Cats. Um, the Amazon, Berno Amazons have owned this division, this league, and so the opportunity is there for either the, the Harpies to step up, the Black Cats to kind of improve. So we have a couple weeks in the Czech Republic to make those things happen. We're also anticipating Grand Queensland starting out this first week of October. So we'll keep tabs on the uh, season here. It's going to be October and November the 11th, and that's going to be taken uh, taken account in Gridiron Queensland. So we'll follow all that as well. So if you missed anything, don't know what's going on in the women's game, you can check it out at the Hub. The best planet is at the Hub, covering women's American football globally. So check it out right there. And if you missed the announcements, anything that happened during this uh you know, an uh, hour that we just had with Holly about the NFL. You can go right there to the hub. You got fantasy football uh, recap for week three. You get week three recaps plus NFL uh, NFL game recaps as well, highlights. And on top of that, you got the power rankings. It's coming up to week four, so especially if you're playing FanDuel or DraftKings, get the details there on the fantasy football state of things so you can get your lineup cards set for week four. So coming up this weekend, Thursday, the Jets versus the Denver Broncos. Looking forward to Holly's 49ers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Green Bay Packers taking on the Atlanta Falcons on Monday night. So for the absent, uh, Mackenzie Brooks, Nate Ward, uh, Luis Bean as well, and for Holly Custis coming in here. And thanks again to Nicole Rodriguez for coming in and giving us some insights as well in the PR. Oscar Lopez will be back here at 341 as we cover everything in the women's game plus NFL weekly. So stay tuned. Catch you here on 341.